Welcome to this edition of Why We Plant. My name is John Brown. I'm the founder of BEI. We are an organization that supports and trains business advisors throughout North America on how to help their business owners exit their businesses in style. With me is a longtime BEI member, the preeminent member in all of BEI, Jim Carlisle. <laughs> Thank you very much, John. Thank I'm very you, happy Jim. to be here. It's great to have you again at our annual conference. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and your involvement with, with exit planning. So I've been practicing law now 32 years and um, at a large national U.S. firm with about 800 lawyers, 30 offices. And I came to BEI, I think it's been 15, 16 years ago, yeah. and I came to a conference and I tried to get my legs under me with a new marketing approach. So at that time I had a successful merger and acquisition practice. I was developing deals as needed, but I had a certain trajectory. And I really think when I came to BEI, it changed um, the nature of my practice and it changed the trajectory of my origination of new business in a very significant way. So how, how did that change? What, what did you learn or what, did, what were you able to do that you didn't do before? So before I was developing deals and developing general corporate clients that might ripen into deals, but that was only a limited scope. And there were down periods between deals that I didn't enjoy. And it made it difficult to keep a staff, right. a big staff busy because there'd be those breaks in deal flow. And when I started to do exit planning, I created a pipeline of clients that I was engineering their deal and incubating towards an exit so they would pop at different times and I could plan for it. So for example, in 2024, I already know three or four deals that I know that are going to happen because they're in my pipeline that I've been able to build. And that's great for originations and that's great for income, but it's also great that I can have a team that I know I can keep busy. So when I go to hire them, I've got some much better predictability about volume. And so the pipeline, which when they're in the pipeline, you're helping them develop increased cash flow, develop a management team, protect against business risk. You're doing all of the exit planning steps and they, Correct me if I'm wrong, you've done an exit plan, so you know when they would like to exit their business. And it doesn't always sync up perfectly, but our first engagement will be a 90 to 120 day process, where at the end of that, we complete the recommendations to the client. So I view that as the end of the initial exit plan. So then out of those recommendations, we move into implementation, and with that comes some estimate of what the exit date, what it might be. And then I and other multidisciplinary team members are all working to do the jobs that are to implement the recommendations, and when they're done, we re reassess and say, are we ready now? Or is there more growth and value to be gained? Mm -hmm. And how does that fit with the owner's objectives? When they tie together, then we can pull, the, the owner will decide to pull the ripcord and we're off to do his deal, his or her deal. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so your timeline is flexible because as advisors, we never really know when the owner's gonna say, okay, I just decided 
I'm going to sell the business right now. Yes. And, but the great thing with exit planning is the business is likely to be prepared for that as opposed to them coming to you as a relatively new client and say, hey, Jim, I'd like to get, on my business, get out of my business this year. Can you help me? Well, it may take time to prepare the business and the owner for transition. I think the biggest value is owners walk around with this <clears throat> looming anxiety that they don't know what the end will be like and they're not ready for it. So I see it as our job, it's to construct that ripcord for them that they can have sitting on their chest and they decide when they're gonna pull it. So they may, they may decide to pull it five years, two years, one year, we'll come up with a plan, mm -hmm. but we're not forcing the pull. And they'll decide, but their, their whole peace of mind and enjoyment of life increases when they know that they're prepared, even if they're not ready to pull it. So you have, so this is really valuable for the, those advisors listening in. So it sounds like what Jim's doing is he has a number of business owners at some point in the exit planning process. And you're sort of monitoring that to anticipate when a third party sale or a transferred insiders will begin. Yes, so as part of the process, we do an exit strategies analysis where we actually insist that the client follow through with an evaluation of every single strategy. And that includes an ESOP. So we'll study, do you have any relatives? Do you have key employees that <coughs> might be buyers? Strategic third party, financial third party, and then ESOP. And I've had clients that say, that's great, but ESOP, I've gone to a, th a few meetings. I don't want to include that. I don't want to hear anything more about it. We'll insist and say, you got to go through a few more. And when you give me a good reason why it, it's not a fit, we'll cut it off the list forever. And I'll never bring it up again. But I want to make sure you've thoroughly considered it and not rejected it because of the complexity. So we'll have clients go through with that. And over the years, I have three or four clients that have done ESOPs that said that at the beginning. And now it's the cornerstone of their legacy. They, they cannot imagine if they would have done another deal, how that might have suited them better. So, but it's every single aspect of every single strategy. And then you hone in on the ones that might be relevant. And sometimes with an ESOP, the math might work, the timing might work. They might wanna seamlessly go right into it. But for some other clients, they just want to be prepared and ready, and they're not quite ready yet, but being prepared is um, putting them in a much better position. So, again, what I'd like to emphasize is what Jim is doing, it sounds like to me, is he's informing, informing his clients that there are multiple potential exit paths and to not totally disregard them because we know as exit planning advisors that often when a business owner rejects something immediately, it's because they're ill-informed or lack full information. They don't understand the benefits and detriments of that particular exit path. So he's encouraging them to you know, realistically um, evaluate each exit path. And then if that's off the table, it's off the table. Now some will be off the table <clears throat> because it's just financially unavailable. So if the business is worth a million dollars, probably an ESOP is not gonna be a great uh, tool to use. It's, just, it's gonna be too costly. Um, but maybe then the owner will say, well, if it's too premature, maybe we'll focus on growing value. 
Maybe we'll focus on growing the management team. So again, one of the benefits of exit planning, at least the BEI way, is that you will know all of the different exit paths, the advantages and the disadvantages, the advisors to include perhaps in that decision-making path, rather than being a one-trick pony. Yes, and it has really changed my business development because I lead with exit planning in every single new conversation that I have with an owner. So rather than other corporate lawyers that are out looking to secure the right to do an employment agreement or Mm -hmm. a shareholder agreement, if the client trusts me with the most important transaction of their life and they'll confide in me, naturally they're going to give me all the other follow-on work. So I don't ever have to go pitch for the pieces. And the the nature of my practice is I do a lot of general corporate work. I do M&A work and I do exit planning work, but I don't ever market for the subsets. I go for the big relationship and the rest naturally follows. So how big, so I'm guessing you have a support team at your law firm in exit planning as well as other areas. Talk a little bit about what that looks like. So after doing this for 32 years, I've been able to cultivate a really strong team at Dinsmore. And I have a number of dedicated people on my growth and exit planning team. We have a a 30 office law firm, and I have people at each of the 30 outposts developing growth and exit planning. And they refer the work to the Pittsburgh mothership where we will do the work now with my dedicated team, but it is growing and it will continue to grow at Dinsmore. Um, But it's been, having the support is really important because sometimes I'll have a competitor that will bid for a project and I'll explain, I'll say first to the client, let me explain to you the way that we approach it. Here's our process. Here's the people that do each piece of the process and here's the way that we work. Now, now that you know that, go and talk to the competitor and don't share what I just said, but ask them to give you the same information. And for a lot of those people that are competing for the work, if they got it, the good news would be that they got it and the bad news would be that they got it <laughs> because they wouldn't be able to handle it. It's To do this right is really hard work and having dedicated resources at Dinsmore lets me do it in an effective way. That's great. So how... Given that structure, how do you charge a client for exit, the exit planning, which I assume doesn't include the ancillary legal work and other work, that's a separate charge? Yes. So I used to do, it's evolved for me. I started out doing fixed fees at a lower price point 10 years ago or so and found that probably those fixed fees were too low and I increased them and I went to a much higher fixed fee. Clients accepted it and it was fine. And then probably three or four years ago, I shifted to just hourly rates. And the reason was I didn't wanna have in advance a debate, an extended debate on the fees. And for a lot of these clients that were new relationships, they didn't know me yet and they needed time with me and my team Mm -hmm. to appreciate the value. So by doing it with hourly rates, I now explain after 32 years, I'm at a high hourly rate, but I have a blended rate with my team. So I have paralegals, I have young associates, I have mid and we're going to do it most effectively with the right people doing it. So let's get started and we'll do a couple committed deliverables like a virtual data room and other things mm-hmm. where you'll get real value of things you own. And let's 
let's start with that. When I start with that hourly and they get to know us and they see the value, they don't mind or blink at the fees. And when you look back on what the hourly is, when I compare that to what the fixed fees would have been, the hourly ends up usually being higher than what I would have accepted on a fixed fee basis. So it's worked out for us. That's great. That's wonderful, Jim. Thank you for your time. Any final thoughts? No, I, I would just like to thank you, John, and BEI, because 15 years ago, you changed my practice, you changed my life, the trajectory of my practice, and I really, really appreciate being a part of BEI. Thank you much. Likewise.